Well, the Lord's name is to be praised. This is fascinating, really interesting stuff. Stay there. We're going to talk about it. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hember. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are discovering the world's best-selling book, that is the Bible, from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. From all of this, we learn so much about God, and it's really, really great. Corey and Ryan are here. Corey? Today, I am talking about bees and honey. Ryan? Well, in Psalm 114, the exodus of Israel out of Egypt is remembered. So today I'm going on location to talk about this very real historical event. All right, that's going to be interesting coming up in about 20 minutes time, Corey and Ryan. Janice is coming up in about 25 minutes. What's going on? Today from the rising of the sun. All right, so that's all happening. Now take your Bible guide. If you don't have one, we'll tell you how to get one in just a moment. We're going to study. She's coming up in 25. I'm coming up in five. And we're going to study what the Word of God says. Psalm 113. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations, His glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who dwells on high, who humbles Himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth? He raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap, that he may seat him with princes, with the princes of his people. He grants the barren woman a home, like a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. Psalm 113 Psalm 113, 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18 seems like a lot of chapters, but they're short chapters. And it's really very interesting to listen to these chapters. God builds life. Now we're going to focus today on Psalm 113. When we study the Bible, the Holy Spirit helps us gain the mind of Christ. What the world does that mean? Well, this helps us hear the words of God properly and gain the most understanding from the Bible of those words. The restoration of our mind is necessary because we are sinners under the influence of evil. Unfortunately, this means that we continue to live with evil consequences. In contrast to us, God is perfect. He is perfect in goodness. He builds life in goodness. There is nothing that God does or commands that is wrong or is a mistake. Part of the good news of God is that one day, this tension between our evil and God's goodness will actually be eliminated. At the end of this world, sin will be completely destroyed along with all of its culture and influence. God's holiness is intolerant of sin. So for us, to be holy or truly in God's full presence, he's going to deal with evil and make us holy eternally. Now, Psalm 113 calls out all of the servants of God to praise him for his perfection 
and his holiness. Now, this is really important because we need to think about this as we read it. Remember that God speaks to us in Psalms. God speaks to us in songs and God speaks to us in prayers. These are not simply things for us to read or just to meditate on, but they are actually to sing as well. And so I just, this be a crazy thing to do, but think about it for a minute. I would suggest that you would simply in your, to, in yourself, to yourself, you know, in your own prayer closet, sing a couple of verses of these songs. In fact, sing the whole Psalms. <laughs> yourself and God and you, you may not be able to sing, but sing, try singing it because it's very, very important. Now take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage. And when you do that, it's interesting because as we look at Psalm 113, we are going to learn much about what God has done. And I would simply say when we talk about the Psalms, that we listen to the first sentences and we pray about it. When you, if you don't have a Bible guide, you can call us or write to us or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and you can download it as well. But we need to pay attention to the very first word as we read about God builds life. Father, help us as we look at Psalm 113. This is your word. But it's not just your word, it's your music. It's the words to your song. So help us to hear it by the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we said together, make it so, Lord. Amen. Now, Psalm 113 is interesting. Listen carefully. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. That's the first verse. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to, the, to its going down. The Lord's name, his name is to be praised. Oh, this is amazing. The Lord's name is to be praised because he is holy. Praising the Lord is an articulation of truth. When we praise the name of God, we are simply telling the truth to the spiritual world, as well as the intellectual world, as well as the emotional world, as well as the physical world. When we sing the Psalms, that's what we're doing. We're praising the name of the Lord. Now, in my case, I would simply praise the name of Jesus Christ. Yeshua HaMashiach. There's something about that name. Praise Yeshua HaMashiach. Praise Jesus the Christ. Very interesting, isn't it? When we do that, we're announcing to the spiritual realm around us that we are people who believe in him, have given our lives to him. Now, we need to think about that because this is a song. Be a great one to sing. Psalm 113 verses 4 says, The Lord is high above all nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who dwells on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and the earth? Did, did you see that? Who humbles himself to behold, to look at the things that are in heavens and on the earth? I want to tell you, God's speaking to us now. God's glory is above the heavens, yet he watches us on the earth. 
Our sin must be confronted and dealt with. Now, we are living in a time when everybody's going to the moon. Everybody wants to go to the moon. They want to orbit the earth. We've got nations, got space things being developed, and we're all talking about science and space. But it's God that we should be talking about. The Lord Jesus Christ, he created all of this. The image, uh, the best image I had in 1969 was watching them walk, I was eight years old, watching them walk on the moon and listening to Genesis chapter one. Yes, they read the Bible on the moon. And God created the heavens and the earth. They were looking back at the earth, seeing that. We need to praise God because he makes that available that we can see and understand what he's saying. It's really good. Again, this is a good psalm to sing. Look at it. It's right there. All right. Psalm 113, verse 7 to 9. Here's what it says. He raises the poor out of the dust and he lifts the needy out of the ash heap. God does this that he may seat him with princes. Are you serious? Yeah, God is the great equalizer, I'll tell you. With the princes of his people, he grants the barren woman a home like a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. Now, this is fascinating. God redeems all who come to him. We've got to come to him. And he redeems us. He buys us back from sin. Come to the Lord and ask him for forgiveness. Jesus Christ said, go into all the world and preach the good news of Jesus Christ. The spirit of the Lord is upon me that I may share the gospel, the kingdom, the good news of Jesus Christ. That if we believe in him, if we say, Lord Jesus Christ, I I, people have talked about you and all of that. And may I just say, if there's somebody watching, and there may be, we're on a number of stations, a number of places on the internet, and there may be somebody who makes fun of us or doesn't believe us or thinks we're crazy or we're calling people trying to generate money. We're not doing any of that. We're talking about God. And God says that if you call on me, I'm telling you this is the truth, and you pray and say, Jesus Christ, I need to know somebody who can do something about this darkness in my heart. This God-shaped void needs to be filled. Help me today. Come into my heart. And I believe that you were killed. We killed you. Boy, I'll tell you, three days in the grave would not hold you because you rose from the dead. And your flesh rose from the dead. And your body can't be found because your body's in heaven renewed. Help me, Lord, to understand that you provided forgiveness of sin and forgive me today. Help me today. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we said together, all of us said together, listen to me carefully. We said, yes, Lord. May it be so today, right now. But a lie is when somebody tells you, I know how you'll be happy. You buy this hairspray and you're going to be happy. You smell like this flower, you're going to be happy. You take this drug, you're going to be happy. You buy this car, you're going to be happy. See, it all tells me I'm going to be happy. No, I'm not. That's not how this works. The truth is that I am not happy until I find the purpose of why I exist. My purpose for living. 
All right, so today you and I are gonna launch a little bit of a series where we're taking a look at products of the ancient world and, and some technologies of the ancient world, just because we're in the Psalms and this is kind of a fun time to, to break away and look at different things. So first up on the docket for today is we're gonna be taking a look uh, at evidence for a thriving honeybee industry in ancient Israel. Take a look. Honey is mentioned 55 times in the Bible and is directly linked to Israel by its biblical nickname, the land flowing with milk and honey. Until recently, however, it was unknown whether we should think of the Bible's honey references as bee honey or as the popular honey-like syrup derived from figs and dates. At least twice, the Bible's context makes it clear that bees' honey is in mind, but these times the stories feature wild honey. The problem was, scholars didn't have any direct evidence to prove that bees were kept for honey in biblical Israel. It was known that from very ancient times, surrounding cultures kept bees, and the value of honey and beeswax in the ancient Middle East is known from literary sources. An Egyptian pharaoh dating to just before the Exodus even describes taking hundreds of jars of honey as tribute from Canaan. So bee domestication must have been in the land before Israel took over. Excavations at Tel Rehov, a city on an important trade route next to the Jordan River and south of the Sea of Galilee, finally settled any question about biblical beekeeping. It was done. The excavation layer dating to the 10th and 9th centuries BC, biblically the time of Solomon and the first kings of the split kingdom, revealed an industrial apiary, a beehive installation meant to produce an abundance of honey and beeswax for sale. This massive apiary is believed to have housed around 180 beehives, though not all of them have survived until today as the city was destroyed by a massive fire caused either by an earthquake or a conqueror, destroying many of the stacked hives, but preserving the apiary as a whole. Interestingly, this honey harvesting operation was located within the walls of a city in a populated area, meaning the residents of the city would have had to live with millions of bees in peak season. The hives themselves were long cylinders of unbaked clay. On one end, a small hole acted as the bee's doorway, and at the other, a clay lid with a handle gave access to the beekeepers. The hives were stacked on one another, arranged in neat rows, and the floor was dug down a few feet, likely to help keep it cool. There was a roof, at least over the hives, to keep them out of the sun. So there we go. We know that not only was there an industry in ancient Israel for fruit honeys, such as date honey and pomegranate honey and things of, things of that nature, but also uh, honeybee honey. Honey that I, I think that in the West, at least here in Canada, when we refer to honey, we mean honey made from honeybees. And I apologize to the table because I have some date honey at home and I should have brought some. Oh, in. you should have brought it. I should have brought no some question in for about everybody that. to try it because a while ago when I was doing studies like this, I realized I had never tried any, so I ordered some, you know, but, but, but we're doing a live event, not this Friday, but next Friday on June 16th, uh, Friday, June 16th at 3.30 Eastern time. If you'd like to join us, it'll be on my YouTube channel, Corey Bevechko. You guys will all be there. My husband, Matlock, will be there. Maybe I'll bring some date honey. Oh, yeah. Bring we'll date honey. To see. Yes. You know, we might need some snacks. The live yes. event's going to be, your, we're going to answer Eat questions strength. about the Bible. We are. Yes, we are. Uh, we're. It's a, it's a live weekend show. So we're going to be answering uh, some discussion questions. And we're going to be taking questions from viewers who are there live in the chat on YouTube. So if you join us, you'll have a chance to ask a Bible question. So that's, so. Th that's 
that's 3.30 then Eastern time. Yes. 3.30 in the afternoon Eastern time till whenever. It'll June be about an hour. 16th. June 16th. Friday and it'll 16th. be recorded so they can watch it afterwards yeah, you'll too. you'll be able to watch it afterwards. All right. But well. if you want to, if you have questions and you want to address them, you can do so. Yeah. Excellent. Ryan. All right. Well, as I mentioned off the top, I'm going on location again today to talk about the Exodus. And specifically, we're going to be focusing on the number of people involved because the Bible records that there were 600,000 able men in the Exodus. But if we include women, children, and the infirm, then the number would be more like two to three million people. And some have wondered how it was possible that this many people could have made the journey. As a matter of fact, this is one of the reasons that some people reject the Exodus event as historical. But is this unbelief justified? Well, I'm going to break this study down into two parts as we examine the biblical text very carefully. Hi friends, it's Ryan Hember here, and in this video, I'm going to be investigating the Exodus story recorded in the Bible, because some say that it never could have happened. Why? Well, because of how many Israelites were involved. But wait a minute, let's see what the Bible has to say about it. Alright, as I mentioned, one of the main issues people have with the Exodus story is the sheer number of people involved. According to Exodus 12.37, there were about 600,000 men on foot, besides children. But if we include children, and women, and the infirm, then this number would be more like 2-3 to three million people. A very large company indeed. Now, while it's true that the Bible makes a point of how fertile the Israelites were in Egypt, to have a population explosion from just 12 patriarchs to 2-3 to three million in only a few hundred years seems kind of hard to believe. Such a great multitude in the wilderness could also pose certain logistical challenges. I mean, would getting millions of people across a narrow channel through the sea even be possible? And what about the food and the water requirements? Another issue with such a large population is that the Minerva Stella, dated to the 13th century BC, mentions Israel, and it seems to suggest that they were small compared to some of the other nations. But if Israel numbered between 2 to 3 million, then they would have been the most populous nation on earth. To overcome these apparent issues, some Bible scholars contend that the number 600,000 is actually a mistranslation of the Hebrew text. As one of these scholars explains, the key Hebrew word here is alif, which in the standard translations is interpreted as thousand. So the Bible literally reads that there were 600 elif fighting men. Okay, so if it doesn't mean thousand here, then what does it mean? Well, one possibility is that elif should be translated as family or clan. This is exactly how the same term is used in Judges 6.15, where Gideon says, My clan, or Elif, is the weakest. It's also used this way in Joshua 22.14, 1 Samuel 10.19, Isaiah 60.22, and Micah 5.2. So if this is the way the word is being used in Exodus 12.37, then it's actually reporting that 600 families worth of fighting men were leaving Egypt. Now, it's also possible that elif means something like platoon or squadron, more or less as we have it in Numbers 1.16, where it says, These are the ones selected from the congregation, the leaders of the ancestral tribes, the heads of the squadrons of Israel. If each squadron represented a corresponding clan, and if each squadron was only constituted by 10 or so fighting age men drawn from each clan, then this is quite a game changer as far as the numbers are concerned. In fact, this would bring it from 2 to 3 million down to only about 30,000 at the most, which solves the issue with such a large population. 
So this discussion centers around that Hebrew word elif. Though it's usually translated as thousand here, some scholars think that it should be rendered as family, clan, or squadron. So rather than 600,000 men, it would be 600 families, clans, or squadrons. And as I said, this would drastically reduce the number of total people involved, as it would bring it from 2 to 3 million down to about uh, 30,000. So this solves the numbers issue. But you know, not all Bible scholars agree with retranslating this passage, and that's why tomorrow we're going to look at a different take on this very issue. But if you don't want to wait, then you can always watch the full version of this video on my YouTube channel. And the channel name is just my name, Ryan Hembry. And in the full video, I not only talk about the other view on how many people were involved in the Exodus, but I also deal with two more questions related to the Exodus, including where the Israelites crossed and if the splitting of the Red Sea actually happened. So you can check that out if you want. And also remember to subscribe to the channel and click the notification bell so that you'll be notified the moment that I upload a new video. And also, please share these videos because we really want to spread the truth of God's Word and see a lot more people come to Christ. Yeah, that's really, really important. Uh, that's going to be really something to do. Uh, so that's on your YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Janice? Well, I called this from the rising of the sun. Psalm 113 speaks to those who seek after, follow after, and love the Lord God. Because it starts off, praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore, from the rising of the sun to its going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. So when are we not supposed to praise God? We're always supposed to praise God. You may have those times in your life where it's, I'll call it a sunny time. It's like when the sun rises and, and your life just feels like everything is going well. That's an easy time, isn't it, to praise God? But sometimes we get so comfortable with where we are, we can forget to praise God because things are going well, but let's never forget to praise God. You know, when we can get up in the morning, we can praise God that we can get up in the morning. We can praise God for his sunshine. We can praise God for the birds that are singing. There are so many things. You remember the song, count your blessings, name them one by one. Oh my goodness. It is a wonderful thing to be able to praise God and to thank him for who he is and what he has done for us. Let's never forget to do that. Also, praising him in the night, in those times where it feels like maybe we're all alone, or it feels like things are that we're in a dark place. Don't stop praising God. And you might say, well, Janice, how can I praise God when I'm in pain? How can I praise God when I'm in trouble? How can I praise God and, and be happy for those things that are happening to me? That's not where we put our praise. We put our praise in God who is worthy of our praise. We can put our praise in God knowing that we are in his hands. We can praise God because we know that no matter what trials we go through, we don't have to go through them alone because God promises never to leave us or forsake us. He doesn't promise us that we won't have trials. That's not in his word. He tells us that we will. We will have trials. We will have storms. But when we have Jesus Christ as our foundation, when we have the word of God in our hearts and in our minds to help us to remember in those dark times, in those trials, in those storms that we are not alone, then we are not shaken. 
because it's the foundation of God and his word that holds us solid. He becomes our refuge. He becomes our strength. Our joy comes from the strength of God. So praise God, whether it's from the rising of the sun to the going down of it. And it says here again, from this time forth and forevermore, we will be blessing the name of God. What a wonderful thing that it is for us to be able to praise and bless the name of the Lord because it keeps our minds and our hearts focused not on the things that are going on here. These things are temporal. These things are what is here in the earth, but our hope and our salvation comes from the Lord. So let's not be distracted by the things that are going on here, but focus our attention up, praising and lifting our hands and our voices, praising the name of our God from now and forevermore, from the rising of the sun to the going down. And let's remember, Rod, sometimes those things in the nighttime seem a whole lot worse. But when that sun comes up in the morning, when Jesus Christ, and we remember who he is, is as the son of God, somehow things aren't so bad because we know that God is for us and he has us in his hands. Discovery Family and Friends, BD Family and Friends. That's the name of the channel that we have. And you can get it on the internet by going to BibleDiscoveryTV.com or you can watch it on the Roku channel or on some other smart TV device that you have if you go to it on the internet, BD Family and Friends. We have a linear stream that runs all the programs we produce right here. And we would like you to see them because they're here and they're made for Jesus Christ. So make sure you go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Right now, Lord, help me to live my life and to, to begin to move in your direction. In the name of Jesus Christ. And we all said together, Amen.